Today we continue in our series called Five Habits of a Disciple. As I mentioned at the beginning of the, the service, the reason we're doing this series is because the resurrection has changed everything. It has, first of all, changed your end. Uh, we know that. Our, our story doesn't end in the grave. Death has been conquered. Uh, we will live forever with Jesus because he rose from the dead. But it's not only changed our ending, it's changed our now. Right now, our lives have been changed by Jesus and the resurrection. It's changed the way we think. It changes the way we talk. It changes the way we conduct our lives. And it changes our priorities as we follow Jesus. Last week I, I told you I regretted not having this as a point, so I made sure to have it today. Uh, as we talk about five habits of a disciple, what is a disciple? Number one, a disciple is a follower who puts into practice what they've learned. A disciple is a follower who puts into practice what they've learned. Jesus is the resurrected Lord. He is our Savior. And now, as we follow Him, we learn from Him and put into practice what He teaches us because He has changed everything. And now we follow Him on His mission. And so today, that's what we're going to talk about. What is Jesus' mission? What's His passion? What's His purpose? What is Jesus all about? And to talk about that, we're going to look at John chapter 4. John chapter 4 may sound familiar because I actually preached on the first part of it about six weeks ago. Uh, it's the familiar account of Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman. Uh, in case you weren't here, if you don't remember it, uh, it was six weeks ago. I hardly remember it. Let me remind you of uh, John chapter 4. Jesus and his disciples uh, are heading from Jerusalem up to Galilee, and they go through Samaria, which was not the normal thing to do for a Jewish person. A Jew would much rather go out and around and up to Galilee than have to travel through that uh, forsaken country known as Samaria. And yet Jesus did. He decided to go straight through Samaria where they stop at a well, he and his disciples, outside of a Samaritan town. Uh, and Jesus is tired. It's noon. It's in the heat of the day. And so, his disciples decide that they are going to go into the village and buy lunch. I don't know. Filet a fish sandwich, maybe? Uh, they're fishermen, after all. They love fish. So maybe they go and they buy fish sandwiches, whatever they buy. And Jesus remains at the well, tired, thirsty, heat of the day, when all of a sudden a Samaritan woman comes out to draw water, which was unusual for two reasons. Number one, uh, they never drew water in the middle of the day. They did it at the beginning or the end so they don't have to do it in the heat of the day. Drawing water is hard. It's hard work. And to do it when the sun's not beating down on you was the obvious choice. So it's already unusual that she's coming at noon in the heat of the day, but then she's coming alone. This was a chore that was done in groups. The women would come out early in the morning and have social time around the water cooler, so to speak, drawing their water from the well to go home for the rest of their day. She's coming alone in the heat of the day. What does that tell you? 
probably she's some kind of social outcast. And so Jesus, seeing an eye, has an eye for an opportunity, strikes up a conversation with her. How? Very simple. Can I have a drink of water? And from there, it leads into all kinds of conversation, into a spiritual conversation, and it ends with the woman saying, I know that when the Messiah comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus says, the one you're talking to, I'm he. And that's where we pick up, as the woman realizes now she's speaking to the Messiah, and the disciples come back into play. It's almost like a movie scene where the disciples are gone, and now they're coming back, and here's what we're told. John chapter 4. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Let's stop right there. So the disciples come up and they find it really odd and weird that Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman. A uh, couple reasons. Number one, the, the unfortunate reality is in the first century, men didn't really talk to women. Uh, especially Jewish rabbis didn't talk to women. Uh, Jewish rabbis would talk to the husbands, and the husbands were supposed to go home and instruct their wives. So it's already weird that Jesus is talking to a woman in the disciples' eyes. On top of it, she's a Samaritan. Why would he ever want to talk to a Samaritan? They don't want to talk to Samaritans. Uh, Jews and Samaritans hated each other, and so there's no reason to talk to a Samaritan in general, let alone a Samaritan woman. And so, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, Jesus is breaking social boundaries, religious boundaries, and gender boundaries by talking to this woman. And so the disciples find it weird that they come upon this scene, but they don't ask about it. They don't say, why are you talking to her, or what, what do you want? They just let it play out. And the woman, awed by Jesus, awed by the fact that this could be the Messiah, leaves her water jug and goes into the town to go and find people because she says, I think I just found the Messiah. The disciples shake off the weird account and get on with their day and start divvying up the fish sandwiches and, or whatever they, they got to eat. And they say, Rabbi, here, eat something. And Jesus says, I've got food you know nothing about. This is one of those times in the Gospels where, where Jesus is talking on a, a, a spiritual level, but the disciples remained on, on the physical level. Uh, and so Jesus says, I've got food you know nothing about, and the disciples go, oh no, did we take too long at the market? Did someone else bring him food? How did we fail Jesus again? And Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. I don't know if there's still, uh, still commercials anymore like this, but do you remember those Snickers commercials where they have like the, the actor or actress and they're mean and, and grouchy and then one of their friends gives them a Snickers and says, here, you're hungry, and, and then they turn into the nice person that they are? Uh, 
the one that always sticks in my mind is the Betty White one, where she's playing football and, and she's really mean. And they, the, 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 friend, the teammate says, here, you're hungry, eat this. And then they become nice. <laughs> and it says, you're not you when you're hungry. <laughs> it is so good, isn't it? Jesus is sitting at the well and he's hungry and tired. And, and what gives energy? Food is what the Snickers commercial is, is claiming. When you're hungry, you need food to give you energy. And yet Jesus stands up and he's energized. And he says, disciples, my, my food is not fish. It's not normal food. What gives me energy, what motivates me, what energizes me, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work. That's what gives me energy. That's what fills my stomach with motivation is to do the will of him who sent me. And so that we need to ask the question, what's the Father's will? If Jesus says my food is to do the will of him who sent me, that's what gives me energy. That's my passion. That's my mission. It's to do the will of him who sent me. What is God the Father's mission? What's his will? Simply put, the redemption of the world. And so your first point today is this. Jesus' passion is to finish the work of redemption because that's the Father's will, that the world be redeemed. John chapter 3, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. It's God's will that the world is redeemed and that's what gives Jesus the burning desire the, the, the energy in his stomach so to speak to continue it's Jesus food to redeem the world and how did he do it he was mankind's substitute he was here to live the perfect life to, to keep God's commandments perfectly in our place he was here to pay the price for sin as he died on the cross and shed his blood for the sins of the world. And he completed the work. And we know he completed the work because from the cross, he cried out, it is finished. Not his life, but the work and will of the Father. The work of redemption was completed at his death on the cross. And when he rose on Easter morning, it was God's turn, God the Father's turn, to say, yes, it is finished, as he raised Jesus Christ from the dead, justifying us, declaring us innocent of each and every one of our sins. This is the will of the Father, the redemption of the world. That's what motivated Jesus. But what does this have to do with the woman at the well? <laughs> Because Jesus isn't dying on the cross here. As far as we can tell, Jesus isn't even being tempted here. Maybe a little bit, maybe behind the scenes that we don't know about, but it's not like it's Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus is being tempted by the devil and we can read about it. Uh, so how does this play into the redemption of the world and carrying out the will of the Father? Well, consider this. If Jesus died on the cross lived perfectly, died on the cross, and rose again, but no one knew about it, 
Would it do any good? No. Because again, John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him. Faith in Jesus as our Savior is what, uh, what is how God credits to you and me the redemption that Jesus won for us. It's like that straw from the Coke can that gets the Coke to the person's mouth. What gets God's blessings of redemption from his heart in heaven to us? Through faith in Jesus as our Savior. And so in order to have faith, we need to hear the message of redemption. And so the second part to God's will that, that Jesus feeds off of is not only to complete the work of redemption at the cross, but then to tell others about the work of redemption. What motivated Jesus? What did Jesus feed on? Seeing the woman at the well who's guilty and filled with shame and embarrassment that she's coming in the middle of the day. And yes, it's her doing. And yet what energized Jesus? Telling her, I'm the Messiah. Telling her that through him, her sins are forgiven. Telling her through him that he is the living water that will satisfy her thirsting soul. Jesus' passion, his mission, is to tell people who are hurting that through him there's healing. That telling people who want to be loved that through him they have eternal love through God the Father. It's Jesus' passion to bring the message of redemption to people, to the world, to you and me. That's his mission. That's his passion. And so what does that mean for you and me? As disciples who follow Jesus and put into practice what we've learned, what does that mean for you and me? Here's what Jesus says. He continues. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and a harvest a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Jesus says, open your eyes. Open your eyes, disciples. I have sent you to reap the harvest. Look at this Samaritan village who's coming out to talk to Jesus' disciples, to hear the message of redemption because this woman went into town to say, I found the Messiah, and now they are all coming out to see and hear from Jesus. Jesus says, open your eyes. The fields are ripe for the harvest. Do you have eyes or uh, do you have your eyes open for the opportunity, disciples? So what does it mean for you and me as, as followers of Jesus? As disciples of Jesus, we're followers who put into practice what we've learned. And what have we learned? Jesus is all about redemption and the message of redemption. Do we have eyes open to the opportunities Jesus gives to spread that message of redemption? The disciples did not. Why? Uh, 
maybe three reasons. We're not told, but maybe three reasons. Number one, they are traveling back home. And so they're busy. They're on the go. They've got a list of things to do. They've got a travel itinerary. And Jesus, we're stopping at this village to eat, to refresh with some water, and then we're, we're keeping going. Let's go. And so it's their to-do list and their busyness that doesn't get them to stop and see the opportunities that are around them. Possibility number two, prejudice. Those are Samaritan people. And quite frankly, Jesus, they don't deserve you. I don't want to talk to them. And so they'd miss the opportunity that was before them. Number three, maybe they just didn't realize this was their mission. Maybe they still didn't fully understand this is what Jesus is all about. It's not only winning salvation at the cross, but then bringing that message out into the world that through him, the world was redeemed. And so they missed it. Do you see the opportunity that's around you to spread the message of redemption? If not, why not? Is it maybe like number one, like the disciples? From the moment we get up to the moment we go to sleep, how many of us are just on the move? We are going, 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 and there's so much on our to-do list that it's hard for us to just stop and look at what God's doing in the, in the lives of those around us and see the opportunity before us to tell someone the message of redemption. Number two, Maybe there's a little prejudice in our heart. They made a mess of their lives. They're into some pretty messed up stuff. Not until they clean up their lives uh, am I going to tell them about Jesus. They need to show some kind of remorse before I spread any kind of uh, message of redemption to them. It's going to take a whole lot of work and a whole lot of involvement if I get involved in that person's life. Uh, I see the opportunity, but no thanks. Or number three, do we just not know it's our mission? Do we not realize that this is our responsibility as Christians? Do, do we see the mission of, of spreading the message of redemption as pastor's job and church staff's job, but not my job as a, quote-unquote, just an everyday Christian? I'm not a pastor doing this full-time. It's not my responsibility. And yet, this is the responsibility and the mission of our Savior. And as disciples who follow that Savior, and what does a disciple do? They learn from their Savior and put into practice what he's, what he's taught them. This is the mission of Jesus, to spread the message of redemption. And as followers of Jesus, this now becomes our mission to go out and tell others about redemption through Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Why would we want to do this? Here's what we're told. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many 
uh, many more became believers. Notice that, that phrase, you can underline it, highlight it in your Bible, not because of the miracles that he did, but because of his many words. It is the word of God that creates faith in people's hearts. And that's what we see, because of his many words, because of his words. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Why would we want to do this? Because Jesus is the Savior of the world. That means the whole world needs a Savior. Not a Savior from their circumstances, but a Savior from sin. The entire world has been separated from God because of sin. And if we die separated from God, we will be separated from God for eternity. And that's, what's he- that's what hell is, being separated from God for eternity. And yet God sent the Savior of the world into the world, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he took on the sins of the entire world and paid the price at the cross so that we, the world, is reconciled to God. He has redeemed the entire world, and now people need to know the message, hear the message, believe the message, to receive that forgiveness of sins for life everlasting, and he sent you, and he sent me. And when you think about it, isn't that how you came to faith? Isn't that how you believed in Jesus as your Savior? Because somebody brought the message of redemption to you. Whether it's your parents, whether it's your teachers, whether it's another pastor, whether it's a neighbor, a friend, somebody brought the message of redemption to you and it brought you to faith in Jesus as your Savior. And now you have the same opportunity. And it doesn't have to be hard. We, we often think about this and think, man, I have to strike up a conversation with a woman at the well like Jesus. No. It could be your kids. It could be your spouse. It could be your neighbors. It could be your coworkers. It could be your clients. Where has Jesus given you the opportunity? Have your eyes open for the opportunities to spread the message of redemption. That's what Jesus has sent us to do. In Romans chapter 10, Paul talks about how faith comes from hearing the message. And when people have faith, they call on the name of the Lord. Here's how he, how he closes that section out. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We see the world needs our Savior. The world needs a Savior, and yet how can they call on Jesus' name unless if they hear about Jesus as their Savior? How can they hear about Jesus as their Savior unless if someone comes and preaches to them? How can someone preach unless if they have been sent? Jesus is sending you today to go and spread the message of redemption to those in your lives. Let's leave, looking for the opportunities to do just that. And it will be for the glory of our God. Let's pray. Jesus, we praise and thank you that there have been people in our lives that have brought the message of redemption to us, that have told us that our sins are forgiven through you, that through your death and resurrection, 
we stand forgiven and dearly loved by God, and, and we will live forever with God, and we will not be separated from Him. We're not separated uh, from Him today, and we will not be separated eternally because you have forgiven us our sins, and you've brought us to faith in you as our Savior. The Holy Spirit has brought us to faith in you as our Savior. That faith came through hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about you. And so as we go out into this world, help us to see the opportunities that we have to spread your message to more and more people. Uh, We don't have to go knocking on doors or uh, striking up conversations with strangers necessarily. However, you have brought people into our lives. You are working on people in our lives who are, are ready to hear this message. Give us the motivation. Give us the courage to simply speak and tell them about you, trusting that you will do the hard work of bringing them to faith. Uh, We simply sow, and we get the opportunity to reap that uh, harvest as well as we tell others about you. Uh, Continue to help us grow in this message, because it's only in this message that we have the redemption uh, and the forgiveness of sins that comes through you. We ask you to be with us, send us out, and let us speak, and let us preach, and let us teach all about the message of redemption. We ask all this in your name. Amen.